We are in the book of Proverbs, trying to gain some wisdom, some wisdom from the Lord. It's interesting, like last week we, we were still in chapter one, and, and I'm going to continue in chapter one, and uh, it starts, uh, last week's sermon started with verse eight, which, which said, listen to my, my son to your father's instructions, and do not forsake your mother's teachings, and then I just thought it was um, like the Spirit led me this morning to, uh, to invite these young people up. I, they were just as shocked as I was. I mean, I was just as shocked as, as they were when they came up and didn't have anything to say. I didn't know I was going to do that until I was like, oh, we, Deborah's not here. We need a children's moment. Well, that's, we used to do that when I was young. When, you know, you go away to conference, you'd get the young people to come up and share what they've heard. Uh, we also did it for men's conferences. Uh, if there was a men's conference, which we should look at. Like now that COVID's kind of in the rearview mirror, we should look for some men's conferences that we can go to. I know Doug's been involved in some good men's ministries. Maybe you could put you on that, find, find something good. I know Doug's a bit, he's like, I'm busy enough, Pastor, don't put me on that. But you'd come back, you'd come back from these events or a woman's event as well, and you'd say, this is what the Lord spoke to me. And, uh, and it's powerful. And, and, and reading this proverb where it's a, it starts off, the whole Proverbs is really Solomon writing to his son. Um, and, and it's, listen, my son, to your father's instructions. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. There's some things that we can we can gather and glean from the instructions of people around us to the young people. And I realize, um, I don't, I'm sure you guys realize this too, that it seems like as a small church, when the children go downstairs, half the church leaves and goes downstairs, which is a beautiful thing that, that so many young people are a part of our church. But to me, as I see that, and as I, I was at this youth conference and I was reminiscing of my own youth and my own experiences at these conferences, I realized this book, especially a book like Proverbs, where it's all about wisdom, is so important to instill into the young people. Um, too bad Pat and Van aren't here. Pat was mentioning yesterday, I, got, I ran into her during the women's event that was happening here, and she was saying, oh, I, I was able to be here because Van said we don't have to be in the fields. So I'm assuming today was the day they, got, they had to be out there. It's just the time of the year for them as farmers. They got to make the most of the opportunity when the weather is perfect to go and pull in the harvest. It's harvest time, right? Only a few weeks ago, we celebrated Thanksgiving, which is around the same idea of harvest and, and being thankful for what the, the crops that the Lord has brought in. And, and, and with the way modern agriculture has gone, um, we who don't grow our food as much as we used to forget about these seasons. But, but I think it's important for us as a church to recognize that the Scriptures use that agricultural language for us to understand that there are also spiritual seasons in the life of believers. And, and, and that goes for you as an individual, like we, we read in the scriptures about how we as Christians need to mature. We kind of start off as a baby Christian, and some of us when you're a baby, you don't even know you're a baby yet. You're kind of still figuring out, you know, what life is, how to use your hands and your, and your eyes and your, and your mouth and all that. And, and, and things get clearer for you as you progress and you recognize who you are and you're a part of a family and you're part of the, and same thing happens spiritually. You start realizing these things. You're a part of a church. You're part of a church family. And you grow and mature, almost to a point where, where Paul in the New Testament says, hey, some of you are still acting like babies. You're still on milk and you need to be on meat. You need to grow up. 
in the church. And so you need to recognize that there are seasons for yourself as a believer, but there are also seasons for us within the church, are there not? I'm sure some of you who've been here, um, like I've been here almost seven years now. By the time February uh, rolls around, it'll be exactly seven years. So we're almost there. Um, and the reality is we, we've seen that's relatively short season in, in the life of some churches. Some churches are re- really, you know, this church was uh, the building itself here. I know this church existed before, but this church has a, a date on it for when it was built. And um, this might make you feel young or old. I don't know, but I'll say it anyways. This building has 1986 on it, which is the year I was born. So it's really not that old, I say, this church. Uh, I like to continue to think that I'm young, even though my kids tell me otherwise that I'm getting old. Um, but, but we see the seasons progress. And so, um, and I got to know Pastor Dan when he was the pastor here. And, and I know there was a season of church life in this church that was really vibrant and growing because of the youth. Um, be, one, because when, I, I'll be honest, I've seen this in other churches, when the, the pastor's kids grow up in the church, there tends to be that they want to invite in their friends and other church families start to bring in their kids too. And there seems to be a culture around that, that's, that's a season of life for a church, and it's starting to happen here, and I'm excited about that. I know Pastor Dan told me that happened around his boys. And then there was, a, there was at one point, a school, right, a college across the road. And, and I know um, Stuart uh, Hoftheiser at one time attended that school. And, and from what I've been told is that uh, there were students who would come over for church because the, the Kempful was an agricultural school, and people would come from all over, so they weren't around their home churches, and so they'd, since there was proximity, they'd just come over here. And so there was a season that they took advantage of that. And so you have to recognize the season that you're in. Um, When my dad goes out into the fields, because my dad's a farmer too, when he goes out to the fields in the spring, he's likely not to be harvesting very much. Now, he's weird. He likes to play at things that might pop up in the spring. Like, he'll he'll put in... um, spinach in the ground now. This is just an aside that has nothing to do with my sermon, but I think it's interesting. He'll put spinach into the ground now because it can endure a hardy winter and it will still come up in the spring. That's interesting, eh? Uh, so there's certain crops that he can do that with, but most, most crops, we know this, most crops, you know, they're not, you don't seed at this time of the year. You harvest at this time of the year. In the spring, you seed so that by the time the summer and the fall come around, you can start harvesting. Church, I think it's important we start noticing what's happening downstairs, what's happening on things like this past weekend where some of our youth are going away. We're entering into a season where we need to be seeding. We need to be seeding into the lives of the people around us. We need to be recognizing that these kids want um, to be a part of a healthy church, which means um, if you have a garden, and I know many of you like to garden, a lot of you like to garden, you need to pull out the weeds. You need to till the soil. We as believers need to be a soil that is healthy. You know, the parable of the sower. We need to make sure that we have that. Now, this next section of Proverbs is all about that. Well, it starts off talking about the different types of people, but but eventually gets to the place where it talks about fruit. And you can't think about harvesting the fruit without first planting the seed. Sometimes I think we always want to 
um, go to our fruit trees or our fruit plants and, and pull off the nicest things. But if you haven't put in the work ahead of time to take care of the plant, you show up at the plant and there's nothing there to pull off of the plant, right? For, that's the gardening an analogy. Now let's take it to the spiritual. If we don't think about the seeds that we as individuals, but also as a church, are sowing around us, then we can't expect a harvest. Actually, the scripture kind of makes it clear that you'll, you will actually still bear something, but it's either good fruit or bad fruit. And, 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 and I'm starting to see that on some of the, the, you know, like I said, we've been in our, our place for seven years now almost, and we planted a few fruit trees. Well, um, Wendy gave us some beautiful apples. And uh, Wendy, your apples look nothing like our apples. And Amy Beth told me that you told her that you put some kind of product on the apple to protect the apple from the bugs. So we're going to have to try that next year so that our apples look better than they did uh, this year. Because our apples didn't look the greatest. But what should I expect if I didn't put in the work, if I didn't put whatever that product was on those apples to make them nice and protected? And in the same way, we need to think about things like the Proverbs where we give wisdom, where we sow seeds of wisdom, where we, we purposefully put time into the lives of our young people. Or what do you think we'll get out? I, I've never met a parent who said, oh, I spent too much time with my kids. You ever meet one who said that? I never met one of them. So let's read the scriptures. Proverbs chapter 1, we're going to pick up at verse 20. It says, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out at the city gate. She makes her speech. Here is what we learn in this little section here. Wisdom needs to be vocalized. If you have something that is of value when it comes to these seeds of wisdom, you cannot keep it within you. You need to share it. It's something that needs to be broadcasted as wisdom desires to get out through the city. Imagine you had some kind of wisdom that could help people and you just kept it to yourself and you watched as others made foolish decisions when you could have warned them. I talked a little bit about that last week. Verse 22. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent and rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts on you and I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen, I will call and no one will pay attention. When I stretch out my hand, since you disregard my advice, and you do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. There are situations in life where we can choose or not to accept wisdom. And you'll see throughout this book of Proverbs, the one who chooses to reject wisdom is a fool. You'll see that come up, that term fool. 
We're not trying to insult people because Jesus even said, if you call your brother a fool, you're danger of hellfire. You remember that scripture in the New Testament, in the Gospels? Jesus says, hey, be careful how you use language like that. But this is a warning. This is not a, in us pointing the finger at anyone here saying you're a fool, but you need to evaluate yourself. Am I able to receive wisdom? Because if I don't listen to the wisdom of others, I'm putting myself in a situation where I might become the fool. Going back to the farming analogy, you can either be hard ground or soft ground. Hard ground, as I I remember being the one who was in charge of planting often in the summers, uh, easy to put a plant, take a plant out of a tray and put it into a ground that has been softened. But then sometimes when we would plant, and if the ground was dry and hard, we'd put the plant, and it looks like it's going into the ground, but then it would sit on top. And if the roots, part of the roots, sat up above the ground, guess what happened to that plant? It died. And I think in the scriptures, what he's saying here is if we aren't willing to receive the wisdom that God has for us or the wisdom that others might want to give us, if we're always like, well, I'll just do things my own way. I don't have to listen to anyone else. Our hearts are actually hard. Remember Jesus, when he's talking to the people of his day, he talked about the hardness of their hearts. Well, we as a church, we need to ensure that we have soft hearts so that the seeds that God wants to put in us, the seeds of wisdom, would be able to be planted and grow. Verse 20, 28. Then, I, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me, since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Um, I've heard some theolo- a theological term out there called judicial hardening. And You'd have to look into it yourself if you're a theology buff and you want to know more about uh, different concepts of how to interpret the Scripture. This one says takes um, an example of someone like Pharaoh, where Pharaoh is presented the opportunity to let my people go. Remember that? Moses shows up and says, hey, Pharaoh, you've got all these uh, Israelites or Hebrews who are enslaved. Let them go or else I'll put out a plague, and 10 plagues go by. And after each plague, Pharaoh has the opportunity to let God's people go and listen to God. But this idea of judicial hardening is this, is that as God sees an individual turn away from him, over time, unfortunately, their hearts grow harder and harder and harder only to a point when, even when they look like they want to listen to God, remember at the end where Pharaoh actually says, okay, get out of here. You know, the worst plague of them all where the firstborns all die and the Hebrew people were saved because they put the blood of the, uh, of the lamb over top of the doorpost. And Pharaoh finally says, get out of here. You. He still can't even let them go because of the, he's been so hardened over time and he chases after them with his army. And so I believe the, the scriptures here in, in the book of Proverbs are giving us that, that same warning. 
Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but not find me, since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Do I believe that God doesn't listen to people? No, 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 no. I don't think that's what this is actually saying. I don't think God's saying, I won't listen to you. What God is actually saying is, over time, people's hearts get hard, and even if it looks like they're calling out to him, even if it looks like they want to know God, the reality is sometimes people's hearts get so hard they can't really discern God's voice. There's, there's just a hardening that has taken place. Now, I believe the grace of the New Testament kind of overcomes some of the grace of the Old Testament in terms of God has the ability to really crack through and break people down to nothing, and we have to believe that... Um, Remember when the, the, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and Jesus says to him, hey, you say you've obeyed everything in the law and the Torah. You, now go and sell everything and come follow me. He tells the rich young ruler to do that, right? And it says that he walked away sad because he had, he had a lot. And so it looks like his heart's hard. And so the disciples are like, well, then who's going to get saved? This guy was listening to the law. He was a good guy. And what is Jesus' response? With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So even though it looks like here in the Proverbs, hey, listen, like people harden their hearts towards God, we do believe we do believe that God can do all things and soften people's hearts. I want you to know that. However, wouldn't it be better to just heed the warning to begin with? Wouldn't it? You ever go uh, make, make an unwise car decision? Come on, people. You may like accidentally turn into a wrong lane without noticing it, putting on your blinker, or you turn, you, maybe you put your blinker right and you turn left or something silly. Maybe you went through a yellow that turned red. Come on, some of you maybe. Come on, okay, I'm a, maybe I'm the only one. You, you make a mistake and you don't get in the accident and you're like, whoo. Okay, here's my example. The, like I, I've used a few. I used to get a lot of speeding tickets in my early 20s. For those of you who are about to get your driver's license eventually, um, heed my warning here. I had multiple speeding tickets before I learned my lesson, and it was about the time I had Joel. I was about 25, I think, when Joel was born. I said, I can't drive the same way that I used to drive because even though I never got in an accident, and I've gotten all these tickets, and they should serve as a warning so that I don't put my family at risk. And so God will do this where he'll send wisdom into our lives and we have to have soft hearts to learn those lessons so that we don't have to learn them the hard way. The New Testament paints this, some strange pictures where um, Paul will even say a phrase that is kind of harsh where he says, we're going to hand this person over to Satan. Now, if you read that scripture properly, it's for the purpose that that person would go through hell on earth. They would go, Satan would kind of, have his way with that person so that they would recognize their need for God. Again, why not heed God's warning first so that you don't have to suffer? This is what wisdom truly is, is the ability to listen to God's word, fear God, so that you don't have to learn these lessons the hard way. 
verse 30 says, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways they will, and will be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and will be at ease without fear or harm. So where does this fruit analogy comes from? It comes from verse 31. They will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. Often when we read the Bible's language when it comes to fruit, we think about good fruit, don't we? We want to think about the fruit of the Spirit. We want to think about the fruit of loving others and, and, and what that produces. But here in the book of Proverbs, it's actually putting the fruit in a negative light, that you're going to bear fruit no matter what you do. Just like my apple tree didn't look, that didn't look as good as Wendy's apple tree, guess what? They both bore fruit. One was more edible than the other. And for me as a pastor, what do I want for us as a church? I want us to till the soil, to weed the garden, to take out the hard rocks, to make sure that the Lord is present and pours out his showers upon us so that the, the soil is nice and, and, and moist and fertile so that we see good fruit. Let's see a scripture where it talks about this. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 7 and look at verse 15. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, and every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruits, or fruit, you will recognize them. Again, I feel like we have a whole bunch of little saplings around here. And it's just as I preach the sermon, my, I, want, I want to share my heart. My heart is just that, you know, when you plant an apple tree in a garden, they say don't expect fruit on that tree for about four years, right? And you got to do some pruning to it so that it, the stalk grows strong. Again, I, I want to evaluate the season that we're in. The, there's going to be fruit in, in our church's future. But if we are able to heed the warning of the, of the scriptures, we need to ensure that we are sowing good seed so that we get good fruit. We need to be listening to the wisdom of the scriptures. I was going to preach this sermon even if I wasn't going to go to the youth conference. I just think going to that youth conference opened my eyes to recognizing how important it is that we pay attention to the fruit around us and the, and the condition of the soil around us and the season that we're in so that, so that when, we, when it is harvest time, we can say we put in the work. I don't want 
you know, I'll use my son as an example. He's 12, so I got six more years of raising him until he's 18, and when he's 18, he can, he's a man. He can do whatever he wants. Don't get any ideas, Ian. Uh, but what, what, what our desire is that when they become, come into manhood or womanhood or whatever is that we start to see that good fruit. Here's an example. Uh, I want my children... I was thinking about this this morning with Tessa on the stage with the tambourine and Anna Claire with the shaker. I want them to want to do this in their 20s, not just when they're doing it beside mom and dad. This is the things we have to have in mind is like when we're sowing seeds into the lives of these people. Uh, I encourage you, you know, we, we, we did a baby dedication of Everly this year. And you know, we, we, I say this often, but I'm going to keep saying it. We stand up at the moment where we say, will you agree to support this family, and everybody stands up. Not one of you stays seated saying, nah, I'm, I ain't doing it, it's on them. You know, you know, you all stand up. But when we need to actually invest in the lives of these young people and get to know them and encourage them, like Olivia was bold enough to say, hey, listen, I suffer, I've, in the past, I've suffered with anxiety, depression. I know for a fact some of you have come alongside Olivia, and she was excited to come to a women's group yesterday where she was going to put on clothes that belonged to older ladies at one point. She was super excited about putting on those clothes, not because of the clothes alone. I'll tell you why she was excited, because some of you people have come alongside Olivia, and she's excited to be around the people. I believe that. So we need to continue that. We need to continue to foster that good soil. Colossians, one more scripture. Colossians chapter 1. Let me just make sure I got the right reference here. Uh, I think I was going to read 7 to 10. Let me just make sure I got the right thing here. Colossians chapter 1, 9 to 10. 9 to 10 says this. For this very reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with knowledge of his will that all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. It starts off by saying, we continually pray. We continually, we don't stop praying for you. And what are we praying for you? That God gives you wisdom and understanding. So if we think about what I was just talking about, how we need to evaluate the life of our church. We got all of these young people. And you're, maybe you say, pastor, I don't know if I can relate to these young people. They're so different than me these days, you know. Um, listen, what is, Paul, what is the writer of Colossians, the letter of Colossians saying? He's saying, what you need to do is start with praying. Pray for these young people and pray that they have, what are we learning in Proverbs? Wisdom. These kids are going to need wisdom. Uh, one thing that I recognize is, see this device? It sucks you in and it consumes you. And our kid doesn't have one that um, they can text people on, but he's got like a tablet that he can use. 
So the tablet he can only use when he's at home and has Wi-Fi. He can't go and have it anywhere. Um, but I see kids who have the ones that work everywhere, and they're just drawn to it all the time, right? And so I'm trying to use wisdom by saying, okay, I, I, I don't want you to think you can't have access to the Internet. I don't want to guard you so much that you don't know how to navigate your, the future world because guess what? He's going to have to know how to use the Internet in the future. But I want to also have wisdom to say you don't have unlimited access anywhere you go because it'll take over your life. But eventually, he's going to learn, he's going to need to have wisdom to navigate that himself. And I, and, I, and I worry about that. But listen, rather than worry about that, shouldn't we join together and pray that God would give our kids wisdom, how to navigate a world where you didn't have to navigate that, right? Back in the day when I was their age and I, I liked Amy Beth and I wanted to talk to her online, you know what I had to do? Uh, go find the computer, fight my brother physically to use it because he'd be playing a video game because there's only one computer in the house, right? And, and then when he finally let me uh, have it because I could never beat him up to get the computer, uh, I, would, I would hit the, bu- the modem button, right? And then it would go... You guys remember those days? Dial up internet, right? And then I would finally sit down and I'd be like, text Amy Beth. And I'd write, you know, with the keyboard, not just with my thumbs. And I'd be like, hey, are you there? And then if she wasn't there online too, I'd have to give up and go do something else. These days, oh yeah, that was, that was worse, calling the house. Because then if her dad picked up, what do you want? Talk to my daughter about. Uh, sorry, wrong number. Hang up. These days, they don't have that. They have to, there's so much more they have to have wisdom for to navigate these situations. Talk to someone like Susie or Dan and Jen or Amy Beth and I or Hartley and Melissa about how we're trying to figure out how to navigate raising children in today's world. You guys all know about it. You got grandkids too and kids yourself. It's hard. What is the scripture saying here? Pray for wisdom. Not only that, so that they may live, verse 10, so that they may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing every good fruit in every, fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. That is a wonderful prayer for our kids. It blessed my heart this morning to have Olivia and Owen and Joel share what they learned and what God's already doing. It make, gives me hope that even though we're navigating a crazy world, God does give wisdom. He does speak. And he wants to partner with us to have that wisdom instilled, seeded in the lives of our young people so that they will bear fruit. This isn't a message just for those young people. That's a message for us too. We need to evaluate the fruit that we have and we need to model what it looks like to bear good fruit. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, We pray for wisdom, wisdom in our own lives, how we navigate this world ourselves in the midst of a world that has many financial difficulties, many social and mental health issues, in a world where wars and rumors of wars exist. We need wisdom to know how to think through everything that's happened around us. Lord, we also live in a secular world where 
Many people don't know you. Many people don't live according to the wisdom of the word. Help us not to fall pattern of the ways of this world, but help us to seek your wisdom that we may bear good fruit. And Lord, as I recognize the season of life of our church, as I see that we're in a time where the soil needs to be cultivated, where we need to weed the garden, I believe that it's soon arising and and, and maybe even now we're in the midst of sowing We're in springtime and we need to sow seeds in the lives of the young people here in this church. Help us to instill our wisdom, the wisdom that you've given us to them, that they may be bear good fruit. But most importantly, Lord, when we cannot, when it looks impossible to us, all things are possible to you. When we pray, Lord, the God of all wisdom, that you would speak to each and every one of us, especially our young people, and put your wisdom in their lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.